radio transmission by me, Donald Dean. Make me an island. Hello and welcome to Make Me an Island of Ireland, a nation under at least one roof, if not more like. Now, episode number 35 is another guaranteed Irish affair. Today's irrepressible green shoots have sprung from an unplanned rendezvous in the most random and serendipitous of fashions in the fashionable fifth arrondissement of Paris during lockdown. But before going into detail about this unplanned but fruitful French connection, I want to throw forward to a couple of very special Me? 
Beautiful music by Eric Mingus and Catherine Sikora together. Uh, it's called Inside the Chrysalis. Uh, the album is Chrysalis. And on the line, I'm delighted to say, is Catherine. You're very welcome to Make Me an Island, Catherine. Thank you so much, Donald. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Well, the thing is that music works in such mysterious and magical ways. And uh, sometimes things happen that are a kind of calling and, uh, and, uh, and it creates waves. And all of a sudden I find out about your music because you met a friend of mine in Paris during lockdown at the uh, Centre Cultural Irland Day. And, uh, and that's what we're here to talk about today. But as a result of that meeting, wonderful music was made. And then I got to investigate all the other music that you've been making. And so I've been really enjoying uh, doing that over the past couple of weeks. And um, so, Catherine, can, if you don't mind me uh, starting with a question about something that I read um, uh, that you uh, said in an interview about how where the music started and having grown up in a part of Ireland where um, the uh, sound of a uh, the musical sound of a gate was uh, classified as entertainment where I grew up. So I believe something similar happened to you. Yeah. Yeah, it did. I One of the, well, I think the first time that I was really stunned by a sound was the sound of a gate and the, the flute-like sound of the tones and the overtones that happen in, on windy days, as you know. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, there's no immediate direct line of, of how I got from there to the saxophone, although I had taken, I had a little bit of flute Mm -hmm. um, flute instruction when I was a kid. Yeah. And then I got the saxophone and it felt like, okay, that's it. There's a reason why I'm here. <laughs> this is it. And I don't want to do anything else. Great. It, it really was that simple. Which and is, so how, it's how early nice. was, did you get your hands on, on the actual machine? Uh, not very early. I was 16. I wanted one from when yeah. I was 12, but yeah. um, that was not a popular <laughs> yeah, sure. Not a popular thing. And and, yeah. and and so then your journey between that and moving to New York, uh, was it in 2000, yeah? Yes. So, w yeah. W w yeah, so before you got to there, um, you can fill us in on, on the arc of, of the your career. Well, before then, there wasn't really... Uh, nothing happened before New York. Right. Um, <laughs> that really counts. <laughs> yeah, right. In, in a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, I had I actually did a degree in England in the saxophone, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I was self-taught before that because there was no music in school. Mm-hmm. So I taught myself. Uh, I did a school, degree. School was in uh, Cork, right? Yeah, in West Cork. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and then so when I finished the degree, I realized I was not able to do anything that I wanted to do on the instrument. And so New York was yeah obvious. Yeah. And then when I got to New York, I actually stopped playing for five years and just. I worked, I waited tables at Birdland, yeah. and I studied with George Garzone, who's one of the greatest teachers on the planet as far as saxophone and concepts of improvisation. Yeah. And I just did that for five years before I started playing again. So I sort of yeah. broke everything down, erased wow. and, and everything can I, and yeah, rebuilt. And can I just ask you about the point at which you, you moved that you said that you couldn't play anything that... Um, that you wanted to play, but but yet you had been playing for quite a while at that point. Yeah, I mean, I had gotten some sort of standard jazz instruction. It yeah. was, it was like, I mean, yeah, I could play the instrument, I could play over changes, I could, I played in big bands in college, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. as far as it being a real expressive thing in terms of what I was hearing when mm-hmm. I was hearing recordings at that point, there was just this huge gulf between yeah. what, unfortunately in jazz, very often there can be a, a kind of painting by numbers approach of, okay, you have this chord and you play this scale over it, or you yeah. play this lick over this series of changes, and here's mm-hmm. your 251 licks and do that in every key. And and uh, that was completely unsatisfactory for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within like, something crazy like three weeks of getting to new york i met george garzo and someone said he's who you're looking for go hear him i went to the knitting factory i heard him mm-hmm. i nearly just combusted on the spot i was like this is it this is what i've been Some, looking somebody for get the and, fire because somebody called the fire brigade <laughs> yeah it was it was unbelievable and i Brilliant. went right up to him and said yeah. do you teach and he was like yep here's my number call me and that's, that was that's it. really it was, funny uh, it's really funny yeah. um catherine because i just re-watched the miles davis uh, documentary there recently and um you know that kind of key moment where he was playing in in the big bands and he decided he had to go to new york and and with uh, the number of weeks he was playing with uh, dizzy gillespie and charlie Parker but um, I guess it's a well-worn path to New York but but it's it's so from that point that it worked out and uh, in in the knitting factory uh, things really started to change uh, once he started to, to play again oh yeah. yeah yeah it was it was completely different it was what it was if I can explain it it's like um, the difference is like someone reading something phonetically in a language they don't understand mm-hmm. and hearing that as opposed to hearing a, a really incredibly intelligent person speaking words that they do understand like that's for me that's the difference wow okay beautiful it's sort of like a direct a direct connection from the the brain and the intention mm-hmm. to the sound yeah. and to draw that line directly is not a simple thing Sure. With the, you know, a, a chunk of metal like the saxophone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so look, I just want to, what a beautiful description. I also know from, from that interview, um, Catherine, that you have a love of poetry too, the written word. Oh yeah. 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 And it's the, yeah. it's, it's often and it, the inspiration behind work. Is that true? It is. 
It is, and it's never intentional. Right. <laughs> and now, and then I look at my work, and I'm like, oh gosh, you better it just do informs it. Cause <laughs> it it does. I actually I tend to, I have a lot of um, contemplative practice things that I do on the horn, just in terms of cementing and improving my relationship to the production of the sound. And when I do those things, um, there's a lot of very slow, yeah, long tone practice and breath work. Uh-huh. So I tend to have books on my music stand, and wow. and they yeah. tend to be poetry books more often than not, or something that I think of like poetry. Like right now, I have Bruce Lee's book, The Tao of Jeet Kune Do. Wow, which is amazing. Yeah, do you know that one? No, but I'm gonna check yeah, it, it out immediately. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's fantastic. I have it right here. Okay, so 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 just tell me a little bit about those contemplative practices that you are that you use to um, tell us a little bit more about that. Well, my goal is that when I play, I, what I'm playing is the sound that I've just thought. Yeah. So, like like our native language, we can think a, a thought and express it verbally. So, that's exactly what I'm going for, Is but that I'm thinking the actual sound. So, mm-hmm. for that, I need to be completely connected so that I can play a note and I know what note is going to come out. Right. And not just the name of it, the sound of it is, the name actually doesn't matter at all. So, there's a lot... Um, a lot of long tone practice, mm-hmm. sometimes practicing one tone for a, like an hour, longer yeah. even, yep. um, which may sound like a lot until you remember that Pauline Oliveros played one note for a year, which is <laughs> next level. And she's, yeah. of course, amazing and incredible. And, um, wow. And then I do the same with intervals. So I'll take one interval mm-hmm. and I'll work that interval for as long as I need to. Um, you know, you have to go through the point of boredom, through the point of thinking you know it, through the point until you erase everything except that sound. That's phenomenal, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's endless. Um, here's, here's something from the Bruce Lee book. He says, Give up thinking as though not giving it up. Observe techniques as though not observing. Oh, so <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, okay. Well, look, that's we've got our money's worth already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you. Can I just ask you a little bit, Catherine, about the the physical preparation that that would involve, um, you know, playing the instrument to the level that you do, as in, you know, yeah. the fitness that that is clearly involved in that physical practice. Yeah, it is. It is the best thing for that. Um, is of course you know I'm gonna say boxing because um, everyone <laughs> says boxing, right. and there's a good reason because yeah, no, um, I've read that. Yeah, yeah. Because of the arms. So much of arm, it yeah. is. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting. So, no, no, no. I interrupted you. So much of it comes from where is is involved in 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 your, the strength in your arms, right? Yes, uh, arm strength, but then that has to come from the core. And right. your your spine and your core has to be so strong because that's where all your sound is coming from. Got you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, also, you can't like you don't want to have the weight of the horns held by the neck and shoulders because we're pretty vulnerable there. So you want you want that strength coming from your back as well. Yeah. Um, but then the the fact of boxing, which is preparing for interaction with another person, 
in a very random way in that you have to be prepared to respond to what they're going to do yeah. in the moment. So you can't get stuck in ruts. You can't, you have to stay flexible and you can't decide I'm going to do this because you don't know what they're going to do. And that's pretty similar to playing improvised music is that you can't have your own single way that you're going to do something. You have to be open and listening and responding flexibly in the moment yep. to the other person or people mm-hmm. or the room or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Wow, fantastic. I, um, I'm glad I asked that question. Um, can we just bring it along to what happened this year uh, in Paris, Catherine? So, you know, from going through your work, it seems like um, you have you know, played in so many different styles and, and uh, forms of music. So what um, you were in the centre in Paris in 2014, and I want to ask you about that in a little bit, but you, you were returning this year with what intention? Um, well, what I think what I intended initially um, was to continue to do the second recording in my warrior series i've the first warrior is a solo soprano work that came out um summer a year ago yeah and the next one i've been plotting slowly since then i want it to be on tenor but i want it to be a multi-horn piece yeah so that was my intention and i did a ton of work in paris none of which was to do with that um, yeah, as often happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, is there, is there, I suppose when you have uh, time in a in such a space, you you have to. Well, clearly, you did leave yourself open to other possibilities. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, I I actually ended up being much busier collaborating there than I thought I would, which is why yeah. we're speaking now. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. And that was great. And I do have a bunch of multi-horn things that I did there that I just haven't gotten back to yet. Sure. Um, yeah. So definitely things got done in terms of work that's completed as of right now. I think I think I had I made like four records while I was there. So it was it was a productive it time. It was a busy time. So and and yeah. so I, I take it that uh, like many before you, um, many musicians, great musicians before you, that Paris is an inspiring place to do business. It is. It is. It's really inspiring. And uh, it's just it's so beautiful. You know, yeah. you go for a walk and and it's I mean, that sounds really kind of silly, but in some way, I think that's been important for me because I can be prone to being quite depressed about the state of the human. And, you know, yes, look at us tuning into giant. what's happening. Yeah. Right. Uh, we have these enormous brains and we seem to use them mostly for destruction. It can seem yeah, <laughs> a lot yeah. of days like, wow, we're, are we just wired for evil or something? Because we're really not mm-hmm. doing a good job with these gigantic brains and amazing capabilities. So there's something very um, comforting about a place uh, that where there's so much evidence of people using those brains just to make beautiful surroundings and of yep. course I know that I know it's such a place of privilege as well and that to be able to be in the center of Paris is mm-hmm. not not open to everyone but um, you know still yeah. it just it's kind of uplifting 
I, I recently saw a documentary about the collector Henry Glassy and in it he spoke about doing field work and how that all art is a kind of uh, devotional uh, sort of uh, representation of, of, you know, kind of reconciliation with you and the world, you know, and I guess uh, when you're thinking about things like what we just, what you just spoke about and uh, you get the chance to, to go back and uh, in your studio or your setup and, and make music, it must be like uh does it feel like that sometimes Catherine or is that uh how does that it yeah I think I think it does I mean it definitely is you're trying to um what was what was devotional the reconciliation I think that was Henry Glassy's yeah. phrase you know like a, it's an act of devotion making art or to believe in it and and all art is that um, so yeah I mean it's just I suppose it's thinking about your situation where you're you're walking around and when you tune into the world it sometimes is obviously overwhelmed that we are capable of doing such evil with our big brains but it's <laughs> yeah. uh, it's the antidote is is going and making beautiful music with your big brain Yes, it, it <laughs> is. Hopefully, it's funny because I, I somehow, when it comes to me and my work, I try to do it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, what I do know is that when I go to hear other people play, and I get to just sit and listen to someone else play music or do their art, that is enormously comforting. Yep. There's something that somehow you think, all right, maybe we're going to be okay, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's what art gives me is absolutely is and, that and it's, feeling. It's I what, hope I can get that into yeah. mine. I, I, you know. Well, I can assure you that you have and you are. So, uh, so just um, I, I, I want to listen to uh, the the reason we are here today is songs. But is that how it's being pronounced, Catherine? Because I I, I have to tell you. I know David well, and I am going to talk to him um, within this uh, episode, but I haven't yet. So you feel free to, you can tell me uh, uh, how it all happened. But sounds but is that the right way to say it? I don't know how to pronounce it okay, either. So. Okay, brilliant. Well, then, uh, <laughs> then we'll check with the written. boss. <laughs> yep, sounds good. <laughs> uh, so look, just on the point of, uh, we're going to listen to it and then I've got a couple of questions for you about it, but maybe um, just in terms of, of, you know, how, how it happened, maybe you could tell us. Sure. Well, I arrived in Paris at the beginning of August and... David was there already. He had been there for a while. Um, and we started just talking. I don't, I don't know what happened first. I think before, before he even mentioned maybe me coming and doing some recording in his studio, um, we just started talking. And, and it, was, it was really nice because mostly we'd cross paths in the kitchen. One of us was getting something and making coffee. And and someone would say, uh, you know what, I just listened to this thing. And, and then we'd be like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, this one. And, and then how about that one? We started talking about all these different musicians and, and recordings. And what sort of happened completely organically was that we'd meet and have like a three-minute conversation about something and then go. And clearly each of us was going and listening to that music that we just discussed and then would go, oh, and then there's this. So we started this really fun little 
exchange of listening ideas um, and then shooting off emails, like emailing each other links to certain recordings and things like that. And that was really amazing because obviously we come from quite different backgrounds musically. And, uh, and as far as what David was introducing me to, we ended up talking about a lot of um, African music, African saxophone players, which I'm woefully underinformed about. And so I ended up listening to some Ethiopian music, and then I started reading about it and found some scales and started bringing it into my practice. And so we had this kind of back and forth little ping pong of listening. Um, and then at some point, David invited me to come to his studio space and do some recording. And that was amazing because, you know, lockdown has been rough because I really miss that kind of collaboration. So um, then I went to his studio and he played me some stuff, talked about it a little bit. And we, we had kind of inadvertently developed a little bit of a language um, through our listening discussions and referencing different things like that. And, and then we started working on the recording, which was like so much fun. It was, it was ridiculous how amazing it was to finally really collaborate with someone again after so long. Well, what a beautiful introduction. Let's hear it. Rev Alev.
So uh, from Sans Boot, um, that is the wonderful Rev Alev and Catherine. Um, my compliments again on your extraordinary playing. This was the the door into your work, as I told you at the beginning, and uh, and I think it will be the same for many more people listening. Um, but um, so, I, I just how much time did you actually? Um, so you, there's three collaborations on the uh, finished LP. So was there? Did this happen a couple of days, or, or what actually transpired after the initial recordings? I think we did maybe maybe three sessions yeah in total um probably a couple hours a piece yeah um and so it was like it was really pretty fast you know yeah once we got in there and uh david did all the recording he did a phenomenal job of actually the you know the technical aspect of making the work not just obviously as well as the musical but um i was super happy with the sound he got on the saxophone and uh, oh yeah he's a studio he, was king. Really, he is and yeah. so fast and professional the sound was there it was done sound check was so yeah. quick yeah. that that's a real pleasure that, uh-huh. and that's really important too and and not um, only is it is it so beautifully recorded, but I think so. The one I'm going to play next, and uh, before we say goodbye, is um, is uh, Tear Ami, which is the one that closes the album. I mean, the soundscapes that that you play with um, are are really beautiful to to work between or within. Yeah, yeah. It was it was uh, it was a total pleasure, and also really new for me. Yeah, because. Um, you know, he uses so many synths and, and electronic sounds and stuff like that that I'm not super experienced with at all. And yeah, um, and really working with someone for whom that's their native language, you know, to refer back to what I was saying earlier, someone who can really authentically express yeah. thoughts through that medium was such a treat. Yeah. Um, and it, it put me in a different space. It was really... Great. Really, very enriching experience for me. Brilliant. And in the context of the year that, that we've had and that you've had, we've all had, um, it must have been like manna from heaven, considering that that's, the, you know, that, that playing with other musicians is, is what you do. It, it was absolutely, yes. It, yeah. it was totally. I remember we stopped, like, I think we did the first take of a piece or like the first or second we were just really getting into the playing yeah. and we stopped and I was just laughing. I was like, I can't even, this is what, oh, this is amazing. amazing. <laughs> you know, <'cause laughs> I was like a kid, you know, I was like, this is finally, Great. I feel like I'm alive again. I'm not having yeah. to press pause, which is, I know how we're all feeling like we're yeah. suspended. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? The thing is, Catherine, like I said at the very beginning of this conversation, that what you did there has sent reverberations flying all the way, all around the world. And uh, and I'm the one who was knocked out in its wake. So thank you so much for doing that. And it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure entirely. And, uh, and we're going to play another tune from the album now. This is Tear Ami.
Okay, David Kidd, um, it's so nice to have you on the show. Um, I, uh, I, I'm going to make like it's uh, Joe Duffy or something like that, Joe Duffy light uh, or heavy, uh, where um, you have just been listening to Catherine on the line there. So um, congratulations on the record. Um, so we've just been listening to, to Tear Amy there. Um, look, knowing you and how you work and, uh, and uh, how much you uh, put into your work, I can only imagine just how, uh, the smile on your face when when you heard um, what Catherine was playing as as it was being played. Yeah, on so I mean on so many levels, you know, it, it, because obviously it was the first. Uh, I mean, Catherine was actually the first, not alone the first person that I'd played music with, but the first person I'd actually eaten food with yeah. in in like three or four months or something you know so yeah it was a kind of a communing of uh, on so many levels but but uh but yeah it just you know like catherine said we did we did kind of build up to that moment with a with a kind of a musical conversation and mm -hmm. and, and even to have those conversations conversations and feel that that inspiration again and, and that yeah. exchange because you know we obviously we all connect a lot online and we did a lot more during that kind of period of lockdown but mm -hmm. you can't be just sitting down and talking about it you know and, and then kind of maybe almost kind of going off and kind of following up and and you know we yeah we just keep bumping in, into each other in the kitchen it was hilarious it's like oh there you are again you know? and, I, um, I can only imagine because uh, when she was describing uh, the scenario there um you know it's been a long time since um uh, the way life is goes uh, since i've listened and talked about records with you but uh, i've been in that kitchen and uh, and it's a great place to be so but i mean but what's really special about that interaction is okay so in the outside world context um you know it's significant because it's rare in this year but then to go and act upon it i think uh, really beautiful so how how much of the sound world existed before um, Catherine arrived, and and for how long had you been kind of inventing that? That yeah, well, effectively, I mean, that was, I mean, the funny thing about doing like I I had basically afforded myself like one thing that I haven't really had over the course of the last maybe five ten years, um, prior to lockdown was was time to kind of maybe go a bit deeper. You know, you're kind of spinning so many different plates and jumping from, you know, David Kidd stuff to New Jackson and Gary's and back and just other other gigs to yeah. kind of pay the rent or whatever it was. But I really afforded, even without any knowledge of the, the impending pandemic, I'd afforded myself two months of time, two, three months of time to go a bit deeper, you know, so... Mm -hmm. It was really about two things mainly. One was to go deeper with the lyrical side of my songwriting and to read more and just kind of just go a bit further with that. Uh, but the other side was to really go a bit deeper with electronics and to find a way, I suppose, of, of um, to finding greater freedom and a more kind of painterly freedom and expression, I suppose, with sound. Yeah, um, and the the record wasn't like it, there wasn't really any massive kind of you know uh, a priori conception or kind of sitting down with any big plan that way. It was really just about exploring, you know, and recording yeah. my explorations. 
So I, I, every day, pretty much, um, for the first few mo- first couple of months there, I would kind of sit down after dinner in the evening and just turn on the machines and and kind of see what happened and and. Um, how do I, I feel? Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it it just like I suppose what what ended up the 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 record is more or less a result. Like there's probably yeah there's a there's a whole lot of other stuff too, and some of it's quite atonal and and very mm-hmm. heavy and dark, and then some of it's you know it, it, it was there was a full spectrum of stuff there, but mm-hmm. um, I started whittling it down to what I thought was a core and what would make a really, you know, what would make a, a record at then, I suppose. Cause I, that's, you know, that's always what I do. I try to try, you know, organize things into kind of presentable groups yeah. of pieces. And that's something that I love doing. And I, but I didn't even anticipate that happening, but it did. It just became apparent that these pieces really, um, they just, they meant something to me, you know, they they were expressing something that I hadn't expressed before. And I suppose that was, I found that fascinating. And I found that there was something in that expression, uh, particularly given the prevailing mood and the circumstances yeah. that I found myself in, mm. that was, that was, there was no way I could actually express it with words. Mm. And, and, but it, it fed into the lyric writing as well, because the lyric writing started to get really abstract and, there was a payoff there too, but um, right. But yeah, I, it's funny because uh, I played you. Or sorry, um, after I sent the piece, I, I played you the uh, define reconciliation quote. Um, Kitsur, I think it's actually yeah. uh, time. I, I'm going to actually play it in here so that everybody can hear it, and then we can yeah. talk about it. Would that be okay? Amazing. Yeah. 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 Every one of us is alone. Every one of us is in isolation. Every one of us is also together with other people, members of society. That particular complexity is what I think is the basis of art. That is, all of us are individuals and therefore we better do things that recognize, that acknowledge, that respond to our individuality. At the very same time, all of us are members of society. All of us carry culture, all of us are social beings. And so that I think that art is ultimately a devoted reconciliation between the individual nature that all of us have and the collective nature that all of us have. At some point, there needs to be a coming together of what I am as an individual and what I am as a member of society. Something comes together as a matter of responsibility to myself and my own view of the world and my responsibility to you and your view of the world and its reconciliation, if it's devoted, if it's committed, is what I think art is. And therefore, art might be the telling of stories. It might be the plowing of a beautiful field. It might be the building of a fine house. It might be the making of a great dinner. Whatever that excellence is, is something that I do out of my being for myself, but I do it for you as well. And as long as you and I are reconciled, then I think that's uh, love. And that love is exactly what I think is the basis of art. It is an acknowledgement of the dual nature of human being. We're alone, we're members of society. And if I can make a devoted statement of that reality, whatever materials I choose, whatever medium I choose, whatever vehicle, whatever genre, that doesn't matter. What matters is the is the passion of devotion. 
That's all that matters. Uh, that's Henry Glassy, the voice of Henry Glassy from a film, Fieldwork, uh, by Pat Collins, which will hopefully see the light of day uh, very soon. I've been lucky enough uh, to be bathing in its light, uh, uh, so to speak. Um, wonderful film. Um, they, it seems like that's very consistent with everything you were saying there, uh, David, about the, um, you know, like all the things he said, uh, even the fact that you're in isolation, we're all alone, and yet society is out there, and there's something that you're kind of trying to, I guess, that, that uh, the work comes between you and it, and... If it's devoted, and uh, then it reconciles, and uh, I don't know, that really struck me when I was talking to Catherine, and um, I, yeah, it does apply. You feel? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, it really does. It really like everything. Yeah, even just uh, I mean, even just the art in the the, the act of art that can be in a, yeah. in the making of a meal or something as well. But absolutely, but in terms absolutely. of just the in terms of that. Um, you know, obviously, I'm someone who, you know, in terms of even lockdown happening, it's not, it wasn't a massive, massive shift for someone, for myself, who yeah. spends a lot of time buried, hiding with the machines anyway. But, uh, yeah. but you know, you do ultimately rely so deeply on that human connection, you know, mm-hmm. and and um, and you will wilt without it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, there's only so much solitude and, and, yeah. and, uh, you know, kind of cave dwelling that is beneficial. And, it, yeah. and it, for, you know, for Catherine to arrive in that moment. Oh God. Yeah. And um, when we, <laughs> you know, when we, and it just bursts, I mean, like, you know, yeah, just her, her playing is just so extraordinary. It's just so, there's something so elemental about it, you know, that it, Completely. it, just, it, uh, it envelops, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I have listened to it on repeat, for a long time and it, it just kind of like um, comes out like smoke or weather or fog or mist or something it's like <laughs> yeah, uh, really elemental is a good yeah. word um, yeah. um, Kitsar I just want to actually just on before I go back to uh, the third track from that featuring Catherine um, just something you said there about you know the time we'll say that gives you the opportunity we're just talking about this uh, wonderful record that you've made uh, but just I know um, the songwriting is another thing but that time that you That's would be it. afforded to do the research or give it the research time um, you know like from from uh, maybe the, uh, the well absolutely the reason I haven't seen a lot of you is just how busy you are and you know the last number of years um yeah, those opportunities wouldn't be there. But it, it's funny how, uh, in your experience of, of this year, and um, would it be a case that it has a dramatic effect on, on what you write, on how you write, as well as what you write? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know you know how it, how it goes with, with creativity. There's, you know, there are bursts of progress, and there are kind of, there are always maybe periods of regression and and there are periods where inspire you know inspiration itself and and the impetus can be kind of fleeting and yeah but um but i will say that i think yeah i think i mean i think over the years i think what i've what i've got better at is just organizing like the spaces my own kind of creative spaces within um within the various different things that i do that that i've managed to find space for yeah uh, like rather i think maybe 10 years ago i was trying to fit everything into the one thing and over the last 10 years i've mm-hmm. just got better and better 
at letting things stand on their own. And, yeah. you know, I mean, there are, there are two or three of the opening pieces on the Sambu record that, yeah. that it's like... Oh, Sambu, it's Sambu. Yeah, without oh, right. purpose, it's French. So, yeah, okay, I mean, right, okay, sorry. But, but no, I like I that that should have been my opening question, but uh, as, as ever, I forgot. <laughs> no, but I like that it's without butts as well, okay. because it's without purpose. Yeah, a, we, without, a week of no's and butts. a day without butts. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. so... <laughs> Well, yeah, I think there's just like there are two or three, three tracks on on the yeah. record that I that I never would have done ten years ago because yeah. they're just they're like a solitary sound, but there's mm. so much in that solitary sound. Oh, you know? right, okay. Um, Look, we, we're we're going to hear one of those in a little while because I I totally know what you mean, and I guess you know it's the freedom talking that you gave yourself to to do that, and uh, you should give it yourself as much as possible more often uh, in the <laughs> well, highest thanks. possible quantities. So look, um. We, 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 we'll nice. keep our powder dry on the playing of Catherine Sikora till we hear yeah. this one. Um, yeah. The Triumph of Tristesse, right? La Triumph. Is that it? Yeah, Triumph, okay. uh, yeah, triumph of, of Sadness. En français. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go. Oh, 
What an incredible sound. Um, I, I think the, the combination of the elements, um, again, you know, it's a game of chance, as you well know, but sometimes, I don't know, you know, the things that happen spontaneously or uh, I guess if we go back to the analogy of the football games that would have happened throughout your childhood, um, yeah. the unplanned moments of joy. But um, look, for something that wasn't meant to be or, or orchestrated in any way, I just think this thing has kind of the an element of the divine about it. Uh, so, um, you know, it must, I mean, from, from talking to Catherine, she clearly was... was um, very uh, happy with you know working in your working environment and and with the um, you know we, we, with the sound world that was created there um, she was able yeah. to roam free in such a dramatic and beautiful fashion I mean I think I read in the notes and and by the way um, the label Away Days um, I love the name of that and I love the the design by Mel Keane as well so people can yeah, go to Bandcamp right yeah. um, so look. Um, yeah, so uh, the point being, I mean, the, the thing um, in, in terms of um, the need for a voice within it, was was that something that I read, um, Kitzer, that you said, uh, you know, that you'd been waiting to kind of like have something to be with what you'd already made and, and then this happened? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, like... Yeah, I, it it was it was perfect time. Like it, it, like I think even just listening to Catherine talk about it, it's kind of like, um, you know, everything happened very very naturally, um, and yeah. just like it was like the, it was an extension of a conversation, really, the jam. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with this kind of really heightened atmosphere, because we were still all quite on 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 our guards. It was the first time there had been people in CCI, like I'd been in CCI um, like literally with just a priest and a security guard for uh, an yeah. ex-army man. Uh, should, should we call the security guard? But, oh, hang on, call a priest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was well protected. But I mean, but like, you know, so everyone was kind of on guard a bit and we were kind of doing our best. You know, we were wearing masks in between takes mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And, and uh, that was there. But at the same time, it was a, it was, you know, it was it was beautiful in the courtyard, and, and you know, you've got you've got those amazing oak trees, and the, and mm. the, uh, you know, it's just such a the, the, such a beautiful place to to be, and the weather was incredible in August, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, uh, Catherine's also uh, quite an expert in in French wine, amongst many other things okay. that she's an expert in. So yeah. we were like, you know, we we had a, it was just a there was a there was. There was a lot of kind of spring in the air, I guess, even yeah. though it was August. But um, yeah, the, um, no, I get what you mean. It's it was, it, yeah, the, and and so like the the but like listening to Revelev now, I actually yeah. have no idea how I made it. My part of it, I okay, know, I do not know where it well, came from. I, I, um, keep it that way. I think it's fine. Yeah. You might enjoy it as much as as we can, or uh, you know the way that we can. But um, yeah. look, that, that's yeah, I do. I really do, and it's it's. Many 
mainly because Catherine's on, to be honest, yeah. in, in the sense that there is this other voice that I can kind of engage with. You know? Yeah, but, exactly. And and and, and wonder, at, and, you know, wonder yeah. at because it is a thing of wonder, I think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just I suppose I said it at the start there, but look, I know um, how, uh, you know, your aspiration to make great work is always there and always, um, you know, a musical changeling in that, you know, you're always looking um, for that sound. And I just therefore um when i heard this record was you know absolutely uh, pretty pretty sure about what it meant in terms of uh, at the time you know because I, I i suppose the spontaneous nature of it uh would mean that you know it wasn't exactly on you know with something you've planned for you as we all know the uh, the old expectations um syndrome of uh you know planning yeah. something uh, that you know uh, you know and i mean with somebody great or whatever it can it can suffer given that kind of waiting period but then yeah something kind of as you say yeah. it bursts forth kind of like life or something um yeah anyway look, that's that's me giving my review um look we'll go <laughs> and uh talk about um the there's another piece that i just want to chat about right the so this one doesn't have catherine on it but so um, this one is, I, I actually, uh, so it's, uh, tell me, is it, oh yeah, dis-moi pas tu voir, is that, so tell me, can you see, is that what it means? Yeah, it was kind of, oh, say, can you see, actually, I was doing it, I put that into Google Translate, okay. I think. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> um, no, because it, it had, it, it, it actually reminded me, I don't know why, but it reminded me of, um, Jimmy Hen Jimmy Hendrix playing uh, the Star Spangled Banner at Woodstock for some weird reason. I I think I was trying to get into that kind of like you know the sounds that he makes on his electric guitar when he does that uh, interpretation of the Star Spangled mm, Banner. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, well, I, I mean, think they I think they teach it in schools and carry. <laughs> <laughs> they they do. <laughs> it's down here. It's everywhere down here. Actually, it's um, on the curriculum. But, it's so true, actually. Jesus, yeah. I mean, the wind here just is full. Yeah, exactly. Making, making speeches I'm, all I'm the time. <laughs> you know you know it well. Okay, so, yeah. Well, yeah, it was that kind of just, I don't know, I, I was really, I spent a few, like I lost a couple of weeks, I think, to kind of going down that kind of, um, I mean, I've just always been so envious of people who can express themselves so freely with an instrument. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that, and Catherine has it, you know, but like that, that I've always, there's something so mysterious about that, uh, that Jimi Hendrix performance at Woodstock and, and uh, where he goes, you mm. know, but, uh, and it was just to, to disappear in headphones into that kind of space. And then, yeah, um, yeah, I d that's, yeah, that's where, oh, again, right. it's two minute piece, like it's a yeah. two minute short piece, no, it's so it's just maybe a, like it's a, a strong two minutes for all that, you know. Yeah, st it packs a strong punch for two minutes, so let's hear it there. Deep moi pas tu voir, Google Translate. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, so uh, according to uh, Google, it says, tell me, can you see? Uh, and uh, avec moi, it's David Kidd here. So, um, Kitsu, that's, uh, again, I, I think I, you know, I think you mentioned something about, you know, just um, there being, uh, yeah, that expression, freedom of expression, but it's all in there. And uh, fair play. Um, the nice. next one we're going to hear and the last one we're going to listen to today on Make Me an Island is... Um, you know, another one of those electronic pieces, but but I absolutely love what, what this is all about. Um, it, it kind of reminded me of uh, something that would happen at sea. I've been doing a lot of um, rowing on the River Liffey lately, thanks to um, our mutual friend, Lisa O'Neill, um, oh, wow. in, in a curragh, right? And, um, yeah. and, and so generally we, we row up the Liffey and go to the weir on uh, Island Bridge, but sometimes you go down... Uh, you know, in the in the direction of the bay, um, and one evening we did that. Um, uh, sorry, one time we did that when it was evening time, just as the lights were going on. But um, at the time, I didn't know uh, this tune. But if I had, um, I would have gone. It sounds like this out here, and it looks like this. It really feels like a piece of music that would be. Um, sort of like some more. I mean, okay, maybe Karen's point put me thinking in that way. Um, but yeah, it's all at sea, a wonderful sound. Um, it's got sort of like fog and mist and all those sort of things and lots of electricity. Um, am I way wide of the mark or am I in the same? No, not yeah. at all. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, um, yeah, like it's, 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 again, it's probably like the elemental. I mean, to be honest, it probably relates even more to some of the stuff I was saying about the Montpotuvoir in terms of the, like this kind of just freedom of expression. Cause, uh, it's more play. It's kind of more played. Like it's actually fully me just like interacting yeah. with the, with the sense. And, and, uh, there's actually a sequence thing in the Montpotuvoir that kind of falls apart, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, it has this kind of like wind through. Yeah. It's deadly. like, there's a, it's like the wind is exciting kind of, like <laughs> strings or something or yeah, you know i mean brilliant. again so your fingers kind of like approaching the instrument uh it's like done on an instrument called uh, the um lyra uh lyra eight which is made by uh an incredible company called soma electronics uh, mm-hmm. which is the, who's like you know um vlad who runs vlad kramer who runs the company is like just if you you should check him out because he's I just think one I of may these have seen of, some of your yeah, um, Instagram. He's a real philosopher as well yeah. as just like okay. incredible inventor. But all okay. his instruments really allow for a certain kind of expression. And okay, wow. Um, yeah, it, again, it was just one of those things. When I listen to it now, I I I, I could I would find it very difficult to sit down and do the exact same thing. Brilliant. And that's what's that's what's beautiful about a lot of the yeah. things on the record, I suppose. Um, yeah. Well, look, it, it's it makes it even, uh, yeah. That that thought, um, yeah. I mean, I didn't think it could get any more beautiful, but it is. It is so true. As in, if if that is, uh, you know, a one-time thing, then I think that that's even because it's very distinctive anyway. You know, as a thing uh, in in you know the work that you've made um, and so many peaks in there. But this, I think, is definitely. Uh, one of those so um yeah no it's funny because even as i'm talking about the pieces i'm going is that actually what i did because <laughs> i'm yeah. trying i'm trying to remember probably should have listened to the hey, record look, this probably. is this is the podcast of record 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all on record. This is it. I'm never going to talk about this record again. And I yeah, don't this is really it. That's it. it. Just refer in the Wikipedia entry in 2077, there'll be like a <laughs> Wikipedia entry. It'll be, oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so listen, uh, people of 2072, um, yeah, look, I, 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 yeah, congratulations once more on, on what this is about. I, I presume, um, Away Days is your, um, vehicle for freedom of expression. Yeah, yeah, that's probably, that's actually a really good way of putting it. I think it's just like, I, I end up with so much stuff on my hard drive that I actually really care about, but there's very hard to kind of know how to, who's going to be interested in it or beyond me and maybe 10 other people or something. But yeah. I just wanted to create a a way of just like steadily releasing stuff and not being as precious and just share it because like this, this has happened, you know I mean? Like yeah. we've connected over a piece of work, which is just a really that that means a lot to me, you know, to yeah. to um yeah. for you to connect with but, but with listen, Catherine's work, you know. Yeah, but that's that's what I was saying to her in the beginning of the of the interview um, earlier on the Joe Duffy uh, hotline here, um, that um, you know that that's it's it's funny how these things trigger, you know. I still you know as believe as strongly as ever in how that works, and it just brings us together and. Um, and, yeah, and in some cases, and in some yeah. cases, back together. Um, so, yeah, uh, look, um, just wanted to, to to finish again on on back to this point of Karns or point. So, close on the line. I know you're a man who loves a good picture as well. So, uh, um, I presume yeah. that that this was was uh, something that was either actually pictured or was pictured in your head. It was just pictured in my head. I I, okay. I always thought that close on the line, you know. Mm. At, at a point, I mean, I've never actually been to Karen's or point, but I, I yeah, just kind of okay. liked the alliteration and and the yeah, fact that beautiful. I always heard heard it on the uh, the weather mm. report or whatever, um, and it was always just one of those. But like, yeah, I I've, I've always pictured Karen's or point as as a place maybe with that's kind of almost completely depopulated, but you had this clothesline kind yeah, of printed and and clothes in their close on a line tells so much of a story themselves anyway there's a mm. there's just like there's a biography there you know but there's um or a portrait or something but it's like uh um yeah i just it just like everything on this record it just kind of popped out when it was supposed to pop out and you go yeah that's exactly what this is supposed to be you know and um, but again without any massive kind of you know sambu was kind of like without purpose it was the whole idea of really sitting down to make something without any real intention other than the act itself, you know, the yeah. act of, of doing, you know, so, and that well, freed me, yeah, freed me up to make some, some like, I mean, particularly Revelev and, and Close on the Line, actually, they're probably yeah. the two in terms of just like p things that I go, well, that's, that actually kind of feels like a piece of art, which I would rarely say about yeah. my own work. Hey, listen, um, I, listen, I'm here. I can reassure you they're <laughs> totally works of art. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, to, to, to just do it and then to repeat the doing of it and talk about the making of it on Joe Duffy's lifeline. Um, yes. Once, <laughs> just once and once only. Um, so, um, oh, one sec there, Kessie. Hang on, we're back. Not for the first time. I you have lost me. Okay, look, yeah. I um, on Cardenstor Point and close on the line. Though I will say that that it's uh, the first record that you've made that you could you could quote weather report in both senses of the word as an influence. 
But on that bombshell. Uh, I knew you. I knew we, it was gonna. Yeah, I knew we weren't gonna get past that without something. But uh, uh, look, it's um, such a pleasure to talk about this wonderful record without purpose. And uh, yeah, congratulations again. So close on the line, Consort Point. And I should say, Kisser, that's the um, uh, uh, not only the end of the conversation, but the end of this episode of Make Me an Island. So thanks to everybody for listening, and thanks to all our patrons. Thanks to Ian Codmore on production, and to play us out one more time, Sans Boot, Sans Boot. Uh, close on the line, Karns or Point. Um, Kitzer, thanks so much. No, thanks a million. Really, really lovely to be on and chatting to you.